Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by copywriting and business building expert Roy Furr. You know how most businesses want more sales, more customers, and more profits, right? Well, Roy has spent the last decade helping his clients do exactly this. Most of his spare time is devoted to his three young kids and the occasional free hour spent producing electronic dance music, a hobby he's had for more than 10 years. But he's best known as a copywriter and direct marketing consultant. He serves some of the best direct marketers in the world. His most famous piece of copy was for Brian Kurtz for the Titans of Direct Response event held to honor the memory of the late, great Marty Edelston. Roy has helped grow numerous clients in the wealth industries, marketing, business, and investing, using his sharply honed skills in copywriting and marketing strategy to add extra zeros to their bottom line profits. He also publishes a daily email newsletter called Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. One reader has said, it's better than every paid newsletter I've subscribed to for the past 15 plus years. Today, I've asked Roy to join us to share some of his magic in copywriting, marketing strategy, and building businesses. Roy, thank you for your time, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Daryl. I'm hey. glad to be on here. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, no, it's an honor to have you. We've talked about doing this a couple of times, so we're finally making it happen. So, um, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So um, maybe for our listeners that, can you talk a little bit about your, I know your story, but can you kind of share a bit about your story about how you even got into this? I mean, again, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs and copywriters and business builders or? No, I, I really grew up in, in a family where, um, you know, folks worked for, for big businesses or big organizations. Uh, I guess, I guess my grandpa um, was, was, both my grandpas were entrepreneurs um, but it kind of skipped a generation. Um, but but when I was I don't know maybe fifteen or so, I I had visited my my parents in their offices enough times that I just decided, and I remember this being very clear that I don't want to work in a cubicle for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I I just I would I wouldn't stand for having the cubicle lifestyle or whatever. I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know much else, but I knew that I didn't want to work in a cubicle. Uh, So fast forward, uh, I don't know, almost a decade from there, I'm actually working in a cubicle in in the best job that my undergraduate degree in psychology had qualified me for, which was answering customer service calls for the local gas company. Now, I'll give you a picture of, of what these calls mean or, or what these calls are. This is where you haven't paid your gas bill all winter and we weren't legally able to shut it off because it was too cold. So a warm day in spring rolls around and we send somebody out to shut off your service and you get home, your house is cold, you're upset, you're angry, even though, you know, you didn't pay your bill, but you call me to yell at me because it's my fault that your gas got shut off. Mm. So it was a pretty miserable job and it wasn't a cubicle in a giant room. Um, but, but I, I always thought of that as kind of a temporary thing. Well, when I was doing that, I was working 40 hours a week answering those, you know, horrible calls and, and, um, but it, it gave me time to read between calls and I worked an evening shift. So the calls really died down around dinner time. And, um, and, and I found a, a couple books about copywriting. The first one was called The Well-Fed Writer. Mm-hmm. Now, my biggest success, my biggest financial success as a writer up until that point was I self-published a book of poetry that I think I didn't lose money on because my grandma bought 10 copies for her 10 <laughs> kids. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, that was my biggest success. So so I, I was naturally attracted to this book, The Well-Fed Writer. Well, this guy uh, was a he – w- he called himself a commercial freelance writer, not a – not a copywriter. He also didn't write sales copy. He wrote things like annual reports and white papers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. 
Um, but but what it did was it, it opened me up to this world of copywriting. And, and he said, well, there's these other copywriters that do this other thing. And I said, hmm, that's interesting. I have some sales background. I I could maybe, you know, take a take a swing at this. And um, my mom had actually told me that I should get a marketing degree that she thought it, it would be a fit there. But I never liked like college marketing classes, business classes. It just didn't make sense to me. Uh, So I went and pursued figuring out about myself by getting a degree in psychology. (laughs) So uh, anyway, I I circled back around. I I discovered this this seedy world of direct response and mail order marketing. And (laughs) I I just went down a rabbit hole there. I read all the classics that any modern guru was saying that you needed to read. I read all the modern gurus. I, you know, I have a huge bookshelf of marketing books, most of which I at least have read enough to, to get the, the core points out of. I'll, I'll admit to being like a lot of folks and, and putting a book down halfway through. Um, but, but not until I've gotten the great stuff out of it. Um, so, so, um, I was largely self-taught. That was, that was early 2005 by, Maybe three, four months later, I was actually applying for full-time marketing jobs, and I got one. My wife and I were about to move across the country for her PhD program. Mm-hmm. I got this this full-time marketing job running, um, largely just running the marketing department for for this IT training publisher, where the previous marketing guy had moved up to president of the company. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, um, I I said, you know, I don't have any experience, uh, and there's no reason if you look at my my. A resume that you should hire me, but the the fact is that I've I've discovered marketing, I've discovered results accountable advertising, and I'm going to work harder than anybody else to apply results accountable advertising in your business to grow it and make you more money. So that's why you should hire me. They hired somebody else who had all the qualifications, fired him two weeks later, and called me back up and said you're hired. Um, over the next four years, I. I Helped more than double the business. We put them on Inc. magazines, listed the fastest growing private businesses. Um, and yeah, and then it was just time to move on. So in 2010, I started doing this this uh, full time freelance copywriting thing. I'd had a couple clients before that, um, but but um, yeah, then then my my career as a freelance copywriter took off after that, and that's largely uh, the stuff you covered in my bio. Right, right, right. So that's awesome. And I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I know for you, you kind of glazed over it because you're like, you know, we doubled their profits, put them on the ink, you know, top 30, (laughs) whatever, whatever. But I mean, that's really commendable. There's probably a ton of people listening to this call that they're like, I want that. I would love to have that. So um, how did you like, what were some of the things that you guys did to increase their profits so well? All right. Well, um, so when, well, Actually, let me let me let me talk about like the, the real world result of of all of this, and then we'll go back to to what you said. the 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 owner of the company at that point uh, wanted to build his dream house, so he'd been having a lot of success. This was towards the towards the middle to the end of my time there. He wanted to build his dream house. They'd been having a lot of success, but they went to the bank and they said, "Listen, we have this successful business, we have a ton of income, uh, and we'd like to build this house." And here are, you know, the plans from the architect and all that stuff. And and the house was going to end up costing like 50% more than any house in the city had costed, had cost in the last like two, three years. Right. So, so the bank would not finance it. Right. <laughs> and, and, and he said, okay, well, I have a ton of value built up in this business. I have, I have a lot of customers. I have a lot of recurring revenue and what I can do is I can sell a portion of my business and maybe I'll buy it back later. Maybe I won't, uh, but I will get an immediate cash cash flow infusion right. that I can go use to build this house. Right. And, uh, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, so he was able to build his dream house that cost, you know, something like 50% more than any house in the city had, had cost. And, and uh, he was able to do that largely well, through the success that we, the team, created. Um, so before I got there, this company had 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 discovered uh, something rather interesting. And let's talk about offers. So I'm known as a copywriter, but having a good offer can be more powerful than having great copy. Right. Um, so before before we got there, the guy that moved up to president and, and opened the spot in marketing for me, he had helped take this company from selling individual training packs, which which mapped to ex- 
IT certification exam. So if somebody works on like a, a Microsoft network, a Cisco network, they take exams to prove that they have a certain level of competence and, and that gets them certifications and the certifications can get them a better job or get them, allow them to keep their job in the first place or whatever. Right. So uh, what, what he was doing is he was selling individual exams. Now, some certifications take uh, one exam to complete and some certifications take as many as like seven exams to complete. Wow, so okay. uh, with the guy before me, he said, well, what if we uh, – well, the, the, the philosophy of the founder, the owner was uh, let's let people, especially for the exams that ha- – or the certifications that have a lot of different exams and some of them are core required exams, some of them are elective. The founder said, why would we force a path on somebody? We shouldn't force a path on somebody. We should just give them the opportunity to choose what they want. Mm-hmm. And so he was selling one, two, three exams to somebody uh, or, or exam pack trainings. But – the person would eventually need to take seven exams. So to some degree, he was doing them a disservice because they weren't getting all the training that they needed. needed to exam. Right. Yeah. So the guy before me said, well, what if we do this? What if we package up exam uh, or certification packs and people don't have to take the ones that we give them, but for folks that just want the certification, right. what if we just hand it to them on a silver platter, at least right. the training part of it? Yeah. So, before I got there, the business had roughly doubled because of that move. Okay. Um, moving from you choose whichever ones you want to here's a package that will get you your result faster. Right, because that's what they're selling is they're selling the result. I want the certification. Exactly. Right, okay. Yeah. So so what, what happened about the time that I got there is we actually upped that offer even more. Uh, so, so some of the people that bought the training were individual IT professionals. Some of the people that bought the training were departments, and they wanted to train multiple people in their department. And we sold it based on, on seats. So you had like a seat in the classroom that you could use. And, and uh, if you bought the, the multi-user thing, uh, say you wanted to take training, you could take it. And then when you're done, I could take it. And then when I'm done, somebody else could take it. And, and and what we said is, what if we, instead of selling it exam pack by exam pack or, or certification by certification in that way, what if we just opened up our entire catalog, made it available to stream, and sold this on an annual subscription basis to, uh, to folks who, who are really kind of the core of their IT department. So they, they may not need just training in Microsoft or just training in Cisco. They may need training across the board. board right. They may need training in wireless or, yeah, whatever. So so um, so what we did there is we established this training uh, cert, or this, this training subscription that you could log in. And depending on how many licenses your company had bought, one person could train at a time, five people could train at a time, ten people could train at a time. And um, we'd actually sold a much higher-end kind of permanent ownership training library, but this was a one-year, you paid for a year of access, and then when that year was over, you paid again or you lost access. So we did that, and largely what I did for four years was do everything I could to push people towards that streaming subscription. subscription. Yeah. Now, people would still come in and buy the individual exam packs, their certifications, all of that stuff. So I developed marketing programs that would either take a new person who came to us with, with a broad interest in, in getting a lot of training and push them into that or come to the people who, who, who said, okay, well, I'll buy one exam pack from you or I'll buy one certification from you. And I say, listen, this, this, that served you well. Right. But the next step from there is to be the person that knows everything. So, right. so try knowing everything and see how that impacts your career. And we had an incredible renewal rate, so that really helped the growth. We, the content was very good. So about 85% of the people who bought this admittedly expensive subscription renewed the next year and the next year and the next year. So that makes it great because the more people you put in the front end, right, just right, the more right. – Revenue grows, and um, and that's going to remain fairly consistent. And and in fact, the the company has largely continued to grow in that way. Um, 
so wait, I just want to recap because I feel like we hit a couple of really important points there that are okay. that are phenomenal. So first of all, the owner, because this happens all the time. I mean, the owner, he built the business for himself, not for his clients. And he doesn't want to be forced on any sort of path. He's an entrepreneur. So he didn't want to force any of his customers that way. So he expected them to be more self-directed, self-motivated like he was and Absolutely. just sold them kind of a la carte, right? Yeah. And the first growth came from the marketing director at the time taking a look and going, you know, a lot of these people, they're buying an end result. They're buying the certification for their jobs, their careers. So let's just put on a silver platter for them and just make sure that we've got bundles that they can get everything that they need. And that they responded so well to that, that that really boosted the profits again. Yeah. And then what even encouraged the profits beyond that was a subscription program where you got people sold on the idea of continuing their education, which furthers the industry. It furthers them in their personal and career development. And it also provided stable, predictable, consistent income for the business because now it's a subscription model where people just renew every year versus having to make the same sale over and over and over again. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and then you took and then you basically said, like you said, spent the large part of your four years there trying to get other people into the subscription, selling them on the idea of like, look, I know for your job, you may only need these two exams. But for, as a career, you know, as a professional, you really want to stay on the t- cutting edge of what's happening in the industry. You really want to educate yourself and you want to become a master you know, of all trades, not just a, j- or what, a jack of all trades, not just a master of one. And just trying to encourage people to get into that program. So I just want to stop yeah. there for a second because I think there's a lot of businesses well, that shoot themselves in the foot in the beginning. I know a girl, she was, she's got natural skin products that she wanted to sell and her model was she wanted to sell like one product at a time and I was telling yeah. her, you need to get a subscription program going where people get a package of stuff every month because otherwise that's a tough business to be in, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, you look at look at Guthy Rinker who are the masters at this mm-hmm. and when you sign up for Proactive, I mean, this, this person would do very well to sign up for proactive and stay a subscriber for six months and look at what is received and uh, what is billed. Because if you look very carefully, um, you actually you pay a fairly significant amount for your first month's uh, supply. Mm-hmm. And then starting in one month, they start billing you in nine at least this is the last time I knew I, I knew the offer. They bill you in 90 day increments for 90 day supply and you're paying you're paying for a, a package of stuff that arrives every 90 days and you use it up. Right. Uh, and, and that is absolutely if, if you are in a business where you can have ongoing consumption of your product, whether that's training, whether that is um, skincare or you know food products or whatever, ongoing consumption of of your your product, you should absolutely find a way for the people who are fans. You don't have to force it on everybody, but for the people who are fans, to allow them to keep coming back and getting as much as they want all the time, right. and uh, or as much as will serve them well. Because there is a certain portion of your customer base right now who wants that, who wants yes. that solution, who who doesn't want to think about shopping for it, who just wants to have it delivered to them on a silver platter and have it available whenever they need it. Right, 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 right. So well said. And that's the, and that's just serving your best clients better. And it really is. I mean, even taking this your you know your old employer into account. I mean, they probably pushed the envelope for the industry as far as the standards and the baseline of what employers could expect in training. I mean, to to have a large subscriber base of people who are constantly pursuing pursuing just getting better and better at their craft. I don't know how that's going to hurt any industry, right? So absolutely, and absolutely. I just want to stop because it's also built on really sound business principles, and so that's just a win-win-win for everyone involved. And I just wanted to highlight that in case anyone missed it, because I think that you know sometimes we get lost in the story and we get caught up in the you know in that, and we miss yeah. the real gems that are in it. So can I highlight? Can I highlight one more thing? Do it. Yeah. Yes. Um, the, the the one last thing that you didn't highlight that I think is really important here is we have this uh, in in direct marketing. It's it's called a front end offer and a back end offer and a front end offer it's 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 how you bring people through the front door it's typically a lower price product it's typically not a subscription it's it's something where where somebody is likely to buy and say i want that and then the back end offer is is usually
usually used as a profit maximizer. It is, you know, often a subscription or a higher price product, uh, but it's typically sold to people who bought from you before. Mm. So for this particular business, now they've they've transitioned a bit because they know the power of the subscription model, and they ended up breaking it up into a monthly subscription with a with a trial as the way to get in. Um, but but while I was there. They didn't want to move to monthly, and so uh, and so what happened was uh, they were they were doing the annual subscription, and occasionally people would come to us, like especially if it was a department that had you know fifteen people and they wanted to have always available training. We might sell them three or five licenses to the catalog that people could use, three or five seats. Um, but but most people didn't go straight to that, which I would call the back end, the the subscription. Mm-hmm. Most people started with the business with these individual training packages, and one of the most revolutionary things that I did that was like. A complete cash flow, uh, you know, cash flow on demand uh, campaign that that we were able to do on a very regular basis is we went to everybody who had bought from us in the last twelve months and we said your purchase in the last bought something that wasn't the subscription a, a front end a a a a individual training package a, a, a certification package or an exam pack and we say your training purchase can be applied. 100% all the money that you've spent in the last 12 months towards your first year of this streaming subscription. Awesome. And, and, and so, so we had a front-end product, which was meant to bring people through the doors, and a back-end product, which was meant to be a profit maximizer, also a value maximizer. You got a ton more value if you used it right. by having that, that, that streaming subscription than you did buying individual training one-off. Yep. So uh, it's it's really important to look at your business in that way, and and there can be levels. There can be you can have five levels if you have a high enough level of service at the very end for your for your best customers, mm-hmm. uh, and and um, or or if you want to go down to like the free book offers where people pay shipping and get a free book. Yeah, that stuff is is something um, where where. Um, if you structure your business in that way to allow people to climb a ladder of of how much they'll spend with you and how much value they get, then then you are going to consistently bring your best customers up a level, up a level, up a level, up a level. And that's really the best way to maximize profits in almost any business. Yep. And so many people don't even realize how much money they're leaving on the table by not having higher price programs and services. Uh, I get that. I actually, I'm going through that right now with one of my clients. She wants me more involved. She already has me on retainer and she literally wants to have me more involved and almost like a partner in the business. I just don't know if I can make that much of a commitment, but it does go to speak that I need something for those people that want more of me. Um, you know, some sort of win-win for everyone because otherwise a lot of people, again, they're in business for themselves. I've been talked out of express shipping and delivery of stuff for buying the premium version of things because the clerk was uncomfortable with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they were like, wait, wait, wait. You know, they're like, you know, you don't need to spend the extra 20 bucks on this, you know, on this expedited delivery. If you just send it normal, it'll get there, but it'll only be, you know, it's another four or five days. What's four or five days? They unsell you, right? And yeah. It's because yeah. it's their comfort zone. So, um, you know, I think that's a really, really, really important point, and especially if we talk about being able to compete with your competitors. So, the front, like you talk about having a back end and having ways to maximize profits. Once you know someone, the most expensive thing in business is how do you get a new customer? How do you get a new friend to your business? And that is the most expensive thing to do in marketing. And once you know who they are and you've got their phone number in your Rolodex, it's just a matter of picking up the phone to call them, right? And yeah. it's, that's not that expensive well, and- at all. And here's the really interesting thing. Uh, the more that, that folks like me and you teach this stuff, the more likely it becomes that whoever, whoever you are listening to this, this, this podcast, your best competitors are going to do this. They're going to develop a funnel. They're going to develop a, a structure of ascending offers that their best customers can climb. And, and that has one impact in that they have the potential to make a lot more revenue than you. But the other impact is that uh, if, if I have a $5 offer and a $50 offer and a $500 offer and a $5,000 offer and I get, you know, maybe 10% moving up through each but you only have a $5 offer and a $50 offer. Yeah. Well, I'm able to spend $55 yeah. to 
get a customer yeah. and still have the potential for $5,500 more in profit. Yeah. And you can't afford to spend $55 to get a customer. So I'm going to show up first in, in any advertising. I'm going to displace you from any advertising opportunities. I'm going to make a bigger impact on the customer. I'm going to be able to deliver a better service at yeah. every level. Yeah. And, and so if you don't do this, your best customers will, or your best competitors will, and they're going to steal your customers from you. And before as soon as you the economy starts to go south, they're just going to start buying up all your business. And that's Absolutely. the real, that's the real, real, real danger for a lot of people. It might even sound like a lot of work or I don't know, but that's, that's when, you know, when things get tough in the global economy, um, it's the businesses that can kind of go the longest that got the, the lot the biggest margins to work with. They'll be able to weather the storm better than anyone else. And so in a lot of ways you can't afford to not have more to provide to your customers and service. And again, like we talked about in a lot of ways, you're doing them a disservice because just like in your example, the people they're not being, this isn't a case of selling ice to Inuits or ice to Eskimos for those that don't know. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a matter of like forcing things upon people at all. It's about letting people, people hate to, to, people hate to be sold. They love to buy and it's giving them bigger, better, you know, quality things to purchase. So, well, um, and in, yeah, in in every customer base, there's there's going to be some percentage who would love to do more with you if you give them the right offer, um, and 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 so this is just a matter of putting that right offer in front of them. I I have a client that that has a fifty dollar a year newsletter. Actually, I think it's forty bucks a year, forty dollars a year print newsletter. So he's going in the hole every time he is. Um, for every every subscriber, he might break even over the course of twelve months just on delivering the product. Not even talking about bringing them in the, the front door. But he has a, a thirty one hundred dollar solar generator, and uh, this is like a backup backup generator. I have one in my garage, and um, the the interesting thing is because all these people who pay forty bucks a year to get his print newsletter are disproportionately higher uh, responders to any sort of offer from him and definitely disproportionately higher responders to the $3,100 backup solar generator. Now, we've actually taken that solar generator to cold audiences and basically broken even Mm -hmm. on it. Um, so it's not a, it's not a good way to acquire customers, but we can send offers for that thing to his paid subscriber base. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, we just make it rain. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they already yeah. know you, they already like you, they already trust you and they already, they're, they're already sold on it. And again, like we said before, if you already have their contact info, it's not expensive to pick up the phone and be like, Hey, George, you know, Hey, I got yeah. this thing. What do you, you know, you interested? Well, we, yeah. We literally, we literally print it out and we print out our sales letters and send them with his print newsletter. And, and that just brings in yeah. hundreds of customers. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it is it is a case and and actually I did a survey to his audience uh, very recently I was I was just looking at the survey results and they actually want to spend more money we I there are specific products that he has uh, that, that that we've outlined where these folks would love to be able to spend more money with him right. to act on either his trusted recommendation of a another business so so we don't even have to build the products we could for some of them we are going to have to go to other providers mm-hmm. and and connect his customers with those providers in a joint venture type relationship right with with other business uh, or with with other opportunities we may have to tweak the product 10% and and give it to them and um yeah so it's the the uh, the the opportunities there are rather interesting, um, but it it's it's it all hinges on the fact that he's developed this relationship with these folks, and now he's looking at how to provide the most value in exchange for the most profit in return. Right, 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 right. And you brought up a really great key point that I, again, let's talk about this. That he doesn't even necessarily have to have the product, right? Because he is now the gate. He's in a toll booth position to where he has an audience of. 
of like of of star a starving crowd, as Gary Halbert would say, right? He's got this group of people that they know what the problem is. He knows what they want. He just has to find someone who can fulfill on that, and in exchange for giving them access to his ready-made customer base, get a percentage of the profits. And in a lot of ways, I mean, you know, we've done another interview talking about what it means to be a franchise player in business. And if you don't know what a franchise player is, it's the key player that gets all the big bucks for the contract to play for a certain sports team. You know, it's like the player that makes the team and helps bring in the championship yeah. wins. And that's because anyone who drives a car could be a taxi driver. But why do people go work for a taxi company? And it's because they have the telephone that rings with people willing to spend money to be driven around to different places. And that having that st- established, that structure, that, that in place, right, that, that pipeline in place is so valuable. It is the most valuable thing. It is the business. And so, like you said, your friend here, I mean, because I've said this before, people have said, oh, but I install pools. What can I do? And I'm like, well, uh, what about swimming lessons? What about a monthly maintenance package? What about the fences? What about patio furniture? You know, yeah, what about well, all these things that, what about the insurance for it all? These are all things that you could refer out to other businesses and get a piece of the action because you, they're your client. Yeah, I mean, the first most obvious thing is, oh, you don't have a six-foot safety fence around your backyard? Right. You do realize that if somebody comes over your fence and drowns in your pool, there are insurance liability nightmares. Also, speaking of insurance liability nightmares, not only do I have a trusted uh, fence builder that I can refer you to, I also have somebody that specializes in homeowner's insurance for folks who have pool, you know, installed pools. Also, while I'm out here, I notice your gutters could use some work. I actually have a a trusted contact who about 20% of my customers go with that replaces gutters. And so if you have somebody on their property, I mean, you're, you're, you send that person out with a with a checklist. I wrote I wrote an essay actually. Somebody was talking about um, like propane delivery, okay. and and who he challenged me to uh, to lay out a a great business model for the commodity of propane delivery. Right. And and um, and it really was just a, 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 an exercise in thinking this way. You have somebody on their property. What all can that person inspect? What checklist can you send them out with yep. that says, okay, this needs to be looked at. This needs to be looked at. This needs to be looked at. How can you apply a subscription model to propane delivery versus a, um, yep, versus a call on demand yep. or yeah. The, so, so, you know, once you get all of these things down, and it sounds like you've probably studied Jay Abraham about as much as I have too. Actually, I know I know him really well, and I've got a bunch of his stuff that was given to me. Um, it was part, actually from Titans of Direct Response, and I've gone through some, and I'm looking at his book right now, getting everything you can out of all you've got. I flipped through it, and I've everything I see from Jay, I love. I've heard a couple of his talks. But yeah. I haven't. And, you know, I get a lot of people that say that. So I'm, I'm actually – now that you said that, I'm really going to put it on my calendar to dive into more of his stuff better okay. because he is such a good thinker. He's so yeah. good about – what does he call it? He calls it – is it not divergent thinking? It's – anyways. Oh, he's, I don't know. Jay, Jay also has an insane vocabulary apparently for, for a long time and he may still do it. He studied the dictionary and tried to learn like five new words every day. Every day. And so, so he'll use, you know – I, I don't I can't even tell you if something's an adjective or an adverb, um, and I'm I'm paid to write, uh, um, but he'll use he'll use like five adjectives to describe something, and each of them adds nuance and and it's right, but he just sounds like so uh, grandiose in his in his speech. But this is this is absolutely the style of thinking that that Jay goes through uh, that I've taught myself to go through. Lots of other folks do too. It's just Jay has taught it very well um, to identify assets that already exist in somebody's business. Business, like their 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 customer list, their uh, their relationship with the customers. They may have they may have a a factory that's only working eight hours a day. Right. That 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 could work twenty four hours a day and produce more profits if if somebody else was able to use the output of that factory. Yep. Yeah. Um, all sorts of different ways to look at a business and identify assets that already exist in the business that aren't being used or leveraged to to the best possible. And he started as a copywriter, yeah. um, but but he 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 identified like I've identified that it's much easier to make an impact on a business uh, as as much as my my deliverable with clients primarily depends on words on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, the the impact that i have with 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 businesses is most often finding these these 
things, yeah. these these assets that exist in the business. Um, just really quickly, our, our, our hour is getting eaten up so quickly, uh, but but I think we've provided a lot of value. I that solar generator guy, I was having a five minute conversation with him. This was a while back. He he had he had launched the generator at uh, twenty four hundred dollars. And he had progressively made a ton of improvements to the generator, kind of based on customer feedback and demand. Uh, he was he was manufacturing them one off, and so he was able to make a new decision for the next, you know, set of parts that he was buying, and um, and he'd really bumped up the value and made the generator into something that was completely proprietary. There's no. There's no generator that has this exact same set of features. Um, the the primary one being that it's built in it's a backup solar generator built in a portable EMP resistant um, box, um, which means you know uh, EMP comes from the solar flare or whatever. Yep. Um, this generator should work after the grid goes down, right? Um, which is appealing to his audience, right? Well. Uh, he had he had this generator and it was still selling for twenty four hundred dollars and we're having this conversation we're going through all the the hidden assets thing and and I I, I turn to him and I say why are you selling this thing for twenty four hundred dollars and he says well that's the price we launched it at we'd love to try a different price maybe and I said okay well and this is like a five minute conversation let's hop online right now and look at your top five competitors and what their prices are. And we did. And it, I mean, it took like three minutes. And so we had a list of the competitors. We knew kind of what their features were, what the output of the generator was, all that stuff. And, um, and I said, you know, let's just go with a round number. I think that this thing could sell for $3,000. And he said, okay, and let's charge for shipping instead of giving free shipping too. And so the price went from $2,400 to $3,100 delivered. Mm -hmm. And they tested it. And no fewer people bought at $3,100 than $2,400. Right. And And that's all profit. Exactly. So his margin went up – like after cost of goods sold, his margin went up. I'm trying to remember the exact numbers. I think it was 29%. And his profit, his profits went up 61%. And based on his sales volume at that time, before he even started using my copy, um, his, his profits on that product went up half a million dollars a year. Wow. Based on a five minute conversation, finding these hidden assets. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Small hinges can have the hugest impact. They swing the biggest doors, yeah. um, and that's a great, that's a great, great, great example of exactly that. Because now, not only, and I mean, sure, he's making more money, and there's some people that might be like, yeah, but what about the people that can't afford it? But now he's able to invest more vigorously into continuing to improve the product, into yes. marketing it and getting it into more people's hands that will benefit from having something like that. Absolutely. It's not just about trying to like, you know, um, just kind of create a monopoly and squeeze out every penny you can. It's just, it's, it just makes sense. If you have a better product, charge more for it so you can maintain your status of having the better product yeah. and that you can market it and get into more people's hands. So I, and, and in terms of affordability, he's also looking at, um, I mean, these days we're looking at, at can we sell this on credit? Can we, can we get financing? Can we do something like that that makes it more accessible without significantly changing the price? Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different opportunities and, and, you know, this this can happen over and over again. Uh, that that IT training publisher really the only difference between uh, the training never the training didn't change. Of course, they kept coming out with new exam packs, but they kept training to exams. They didn't change the training that they were producing. But the business doubled, and then it doubled again, and it has continued to double since then. And it was based on. Um, changing how the 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 product was being packaged and sold, and and it really so so the training didn't get any better. Mm-hmm. It didn't deliver more value necessarily. Uh, you know, taking one exam versus versus another. Um, it it was really about how can we package this in a way that uh, makes sense both for the customer and for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great example. That's an excellent example of that. So 
one of the things I want to ask you then about this is like copywriting. How does copywriting fit into this? We talked about like with your clients, often you figure out these low, like these kind of low hanging fruit, uh, profit maximizers or business enhancers, whatever you want to call them. Um, but how does copywriting fit into the mold? And like, you know, and one of the things we talked about even before the call is how do you use copy in your business? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to keep using Jay Abraham as an example since I brought him up before. Sure. Uh, he started as a copywriter and then he became this person that focused on growing businesses in these other ways. But if you look at Jay's copy, what Jay does is when he um, when he gets started to sell something, he sits down and he says, well, what do I have to say? You know, how do I have to position this this product or this offer? Um and in the most compelling way possible. And it's not about writing the, the next great American novel. And it's not about being a great writer. It's, it's how, can I pre- how can I present what I have to offer in a clear and compelling way? And there are things that you can do in terms of the language you use and all that stuff that attract more attention, that, that build more interest in your product, that, that develop more, more desire for, for the offer that you're making and actually get people to take more action. But um, ultimately, what you want to do in terms of copywriting, if you don't do anything else, is figure out, okay, what – what is it that differentiates my product from every other product out there in the marketplace? What if if I'm your if I'm your ideal customer? Why is it that I should choose your product or service over every other option available to me, which includes uh, solving the problem myself, figuring out my own way to solve the problem, going nothing. to your competitors, or doing nothing? Exactly. Yeah. So so why should I choose that? Um, and if you have a clear answer to that question, then like you can write it and make an offer, preferably give them a deadline and a guarantee and, uh, and you'll have a pretty good piece of copy out there. Now there's a lot of, a lot of other things that you can do in terms of copy, but copy starts from good thinking, like good copy starts from good thinking. And so, you know, if you study offers, you're going to be able to write a much better offer. If you if you if you study markets, which so so there's an old old rule from from direct mail that forty percent of your response is based on the the list or the market that you're going to, mm-hmm. and so who's getting it determines forty percent of the response. Right. Um, the offer that you're making determines another forty percent of the response. So between who's getting it and the offer that you're making, you have eighty percent of the response. And then creative strategy is only twenty percent. Right. Um so so if you if you get to know your market and I know that you know Ryan Levesque, he was on your podcast before, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I thought I listened to that. Um <laughs> uh, so his book Ask is great for getting to know a market online especially. Um Anything that you can do to get to know your market better, know what drives them, what challenges they're facing. Most uh, a problem is a market. That's it's another saying yeah, I forget. Gary Bensavenga. Gary okay. Bensavenga. Problems are markets, not yeah. demographics. Yeah. Yeah, and and Gary is absolutely one of my one of my heroes. So he's phenomenal. I would love um, to get him on the show. Yeah, right. I mean, sorry, but <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I just I I I know. I kind of know him. Uh, he knows me by name. I actually have one of the only testimonials he's ever given to a copywriter because of my work on the Titans promo. Um, but, but he's retired and that's, that's, that's that. Um, I, everybody would love to get him, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, I know people who've offered him a lot of money to come speak at another se- seminar, and it never has happened. No, um, well, he doesn't need it. He's the, he's the greatest living copywriter. He's got royalty <laughs> checks to feed his grandchildren. Like he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but but anyway, back to back to problems or markets. So get to know what it is that that is a a thorn in the side of your ideal target market of your ideal customers, um, and. So, so for, uh, I'm trying to think of, of a good example. How about you just throw out a market to me? Let's, let's oh, just play any little, type of market. Um, yeah, let's play a little like roulette. <laughs> sure. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, geez. Let's go weight loss. Weight loss. 
Okay. Um, so there's there's a few different reasons. Um, I, I haven't done a lot of work in the weight loss market. I, I don't particularly like it for whatever reasons. Yeah, um, but but there's a lot of reasons that people want to lose weight. One, there's the vanity. Like, I want to look good. And there's a similar one, which is I want um, my potential significant others, partners, whatever, to think that I look good. Or my current significant other. I want, I want positive attention from others. I want to be able to give positive attention to myself based on my body. Um, there's also just the feeling good, uh, because often when you're overweight, you can feel tired all the time. You can maybe not sleep well. That, that may be another problem that that you may actually have sleep problems, sleep apnea, things like that, because you, um, are overweight. You may have very specific health issues, because you are overweight, um, heart disease, diabetes, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so all of a sudden we're speaking to, I probably listed at least six or seven different markets there that are primary markets for weight loss. And um, so there, there's all these different problems that I can address with a specific weight loss offer tailored to them. So, so there may be a, a weight loss for diabetics, which involves a slightly different um, diet or exercise regimen than weight loss for people who want to look sexy. Right. Um, you know, you're solving different problems. At the, end exactly. of the, at the end of the day, you're solving different problems. And a lot of people in their businesses, they have this fear and I've, I've go through it and it's not like it's, I don't know if you ever overcome it. Some people don't seem to be bothered by it, but it's the fear of um, being too specific, right? But I don't want to lose these people. I don't want to leave anyone out. I don't want them to think it's not for them. No, 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 no. You are so much better off to create your product for left-handed blonde women, shorter than five foot five, who has have a limp and walk. You know, like have a have like a, a crip walk, like something <laughs> like like just to get so. Especially in today's day and age, when you can, most things can be delivered almost anywhere in the world, um, and you can target people so specifically on the internet. Um, yeah. you're way better off to do that because tons of us have bought products that weren't really perfect for what we needed it for, but we bought it anyways, cause it's what we wanted. So in other ways, another way to think about it is by being more targeted, more specific, you, in some ways you're actually going to make it more attractive to everyone. Yeah. That well, by, by, by appealing, by trying to appeal to everybody, you appeal to nobody. I mean, it's, right. it's kind of a trite phrase, but, um, also by, by targeting the core of your market, you naturally pull the fringes in, um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, so we haven't even, I mean, we haven't talked about copy in this example, but, but once we know that we're selling a weight loss program for diabetics, um, we are able to, we are able to speak to that problem in such clear, compelling language that resonates with their experience that that the copy is starting to write itself. You find a story of somebody who is dealing with, um, with health issues uh, with, with with their diabetes being aggravated by uh, excess weight, who ideally overcame that that potential catastrophe uh, through a similar diet to what it is that you're going to recommend. All of a sudden, we have a story in front of us that is going to make perfect copy. And if you tell that story in a compelling way, uh, ideally, I mean, I. A lot of times when I start to think about how to write copy, and this is kind of an advanced thing, but I think that it's also worth paying attention to when you're new and you're caught up in how to write headlines and how to write bullets and all the really small tactical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if you tell the right story, it almost doesn't matter at the end what it is that you offer. The people that you resonated with in the story are going to buy anyway. Mm-hmm. That, that solar generator – I actually have a 10,000-word promo, 10,000-plus word promo. The first half does not mention the product at all. Hmm. It tells a story in which having an EMP-resistant backup solar generator would be extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half of the promo, it, it, it makes an offer based on that story. Um, and it sells like crazy. Yep. Um, it will probably hit at least seven figures in in solar generator sales from that uh, this year, um, and and I spend the first five thousand words not even talking about the product. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so 
let's 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 I, I want to give uh, the probably the best if if you agree that that markets are problems I want to give the best uh, formula for writing copy based on your market being a problem so once you identify that problem here's here's what you need to write so um, you you lay out the problem preferably in some kind of story format that they're going to 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 resonate with. You agitate the problem uh, by introducing, like going with the diabetes weight loss thing, there are certainly lots of statistics out there about how many people die from heart disease related to diabetes, how many people get amputations because of diabetes, how many people suffer vision loss because of diabetes, how many people the diabetes itself kills them, um, and and all of these things that can really agitate. So, so you tell the compelling story. So if somebody's resonating with you on an emotional level, you agitate it with um, facts that back it up, but don't get too lost in the facts. Um, try and make them feel immediately relevant in your reader's life. And then this is, this is something that was added by Dan Kennedy as far as I know. I first heard it from him. Invalidate the other solutions that are out there in the marketplace, especially all of them that they've tried. Well, you may have tried XYZ, and yeah, you're right. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked for you. It doesn't work. And here's how we've solved it. And then so it's problem agitate, invalidate other solutions, and then provide the solution. Um, and it's a, it's a four-part copy formula. And I, I used to use, in fact, I still have it up on my wall, I used to use a 20-part copy formula from Clayton Makepeace. It was still great. I mean, I launched my career based on it. Mm-hmm. But, but most of all these days, um, even if I'm writing 10,000 words, I'm looking at problem, agitate, invalidate, solve. Uh, because it is, it's just extremely effective and it can work for, you know, 500 words yep. or it can work for 10,000 words. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. So, so let me ask about the, the lead in then, because you're saying the problem, agitate, invalidate, solve. So the problem part for the people that are new copywriters or they're in their own business and, you know, they don't, they don't yet think or see the value in hiring a copywriter. Would, when you say the first part, the problem and using a story, how do you – like do you know what I mean? Like the problem can be said in one sentence like, oh, I stubbed my toe, right? Well, or yeah, whatever. and that's um, – <laughs> well, I mean stub your toe, uh, the, the solution is, is, is aspirin or Tylenol or ibuprofen right, right. or whatever. Sorry, but sticking um, to the weight loss. Yeah. So um, how, do you pull, how do you pull someone in then with the problem? Because to agitate yeah. it – you have to, you know, I know the yeah. agitate, at least with the weight loss, especially well, diabetes, we go into the stats of... You know, hey, you, you picked that. I, I may have led you kind of in this direction, but um, I actually, I, I copy chiefed a project where we were talking about, um, it was it was selling a, a diabetes program. Okay. And uh, what I figured out was the copywriter on this, actually her brother had had a um, brush with death uh, because of his diabetes. And um, as she was trying to write all this, all this stuff about, you know, the 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 the, the traditional kind of promise-based copy right. around diabetes. And I said, no, start over. Don't try and write copy. Just tell me the story of this. Um, and this this copywriter happened to be an ex-nurse. Um, so she had a lot of background with diabetes, mm. but this, this one was obviously the most salient because it was her brother, brother and he right. almost died. She like, she had to force him to go to the hospital. Um, and, and it was this, this really compelling story. And, um, we, we kind of massaged that story a little bit, mm-hmm. um, uh, over, over the course of, of three or four rounds of edits. But once we, once we hit it, I was actually sitting in bed, reading this on my phone, laying next to my wife. And at the end, like I couldn't help myself. I said, wow, like, because it was that touching right. of a story. And, um, that really, I mean, that's the secret. You could say, you know, is, is, is your weight making your diabetes worse? Well, we've uh, in, encapsulated the entire problem in mm-hmm. that question. Um, but this, this compelling story, we were able to, we were able to make it like confessions of a nurse the day diabetes almost killed my brother. Um, mm. I mean that for somebody who has diabetes, who has a loved one with diabetes was almost, almost, um, mm-hmm. 
uh, or you know, for for the right audience, that's going to be like wow, you very know, compelling, and, and so, they're going to be so curious. There's no way they're going to be able to walk by without without. Yeah, anything. yeah, and and the fact, I mean, this is one of those those like little known facts of marketing, but nurses actually have more believability about health issues than doctors. Mm-hmm. People see doctors in general as as aloof. Yeah. Um, so your average nurse and your average doctor. People would rather hear from a nurse about health issues. Um, now, when you get into like Nobel Prize winning doctors or something, that, that becomes right, different. different. But, um, but to be able to tell the story from the perspective of a nurse. Now, you don't necessarily have that story if you are selling diabetes weight loss stuff. Mm-hmm. But you might have some story that got you into it. I mean, the founder of that company, his dad ha- had a, a brush with death related to diabetes. So previous promos had used his dad's story. Mm. And, and um, so there's, there's uh, you know, there's, there's, you have a story most likely related to your market. There, I, there's a market that I, I keep toying with getting into, and it's definitely not the, the you know, most cash-rich market, but it would be fun for me. Mm-hmm. And that's people who use the same software that I use to produce music. And, um, and I, have, I have this story, like DJs who want to produce their own music, right? right. Uh, I have this story. One of the first times I played one of my own tracks at a club, it was like New Year's Day on a Sunday night, which was just a horrible a horrible time. So thankfully the club was pretty empty and I didn't, I didn't like ruin my reputation because of this, but, but I decided to throw on one of my tracks that I produced at home with, um, speakers that weren't, that didn't make an accurate representation of how the sound would sound on other systems. Okay. And I love to produce bass heavy. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's just a bad habit of mine. Uh, um, is it a bad habit? I'm a slave to the drum beat too. I love, well, I love good bass. <laughs> the, 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 you, you are a slave to the well-mixed bass heavy mix. <laughs> not, the, not the poorly mixed bass heavy mix. So, so this, this sounded great on my Sirwin Vega MX400s with 15-inch woofers, right? Um, and, and not really cranked up. I mean, because I lived in an apartment complex, I couldn't crank it up to club level volume. Right. Um, and, and so I mixed it and, and I was, I was playing the set and I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to play my own song. I'm so excited. I'm going to play my own song. And I started to mix it in and you could just hear the, the, the entire sound in the room go to mud. It was just nasty. It was, I mean, and like the few people that were out on the dance floor, just like, and they just, they, you know, they went to get drinks. <laughs> it was, it was one of those experiences where for anybody that is, that wants to play their own music out at a club or party or whatever, that is like the nightmare story that you never want to run into. And so you want to learn how to mix music really really well before you even start playing your stuff out because the moment the 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 speakers turn to mud and the dance floor empties because you played your own track is going to be the worst dj experience of your life yes (laughs) and and um and so like i have that story that i can tell as a as, as just just looking to find a problem story in the marketplace. So, so what that really highlights is that even if we have great song ideas as producers, a lot of times most of us suck at actually like mixing and mastering our own tracks. Mm-hmm. And you can pay somebody to, to master your stuff or you can learn it yourself. And, um, and for the most part, people are going to want to learn it themselves. And so, um, I mean, using that as, as, as one story would be a great way to start that conversation if I wanted to provide training on how to make better dance music mixes to, right. to play in your DJ sets. Right, 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 um, right. So you just have to find, ideally find a story because that's going to, that's going to get people hooked into the problem that you want to talk to them about in a much more compelling way because we're, our brains are hardwired for stories before we could write. We mm-hmm. shared stories generation after generation after generation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the actual Bible was written like 200, 300 years after all the stuff that it talks about took place mm-hmm. because it was passed down verbally. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some writing, I guess, at, at that point, but it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't compiled in the same way. And even the stuff that was written was kind of like passed on and passed on, so rewritten. And it's all stories. And, um, 
you know, if, if the Bible were just the Ten Commandments, nobody would follow it. Nobody would even know it ever existed. Um, it's, it's the stories that are, that, are, that are taught to children, that are shared. Um, and, 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 and so anything that you can do to find that story is, is really going to be the way to connect with people. Yeah, I love that, and that's so well said. And even Hollywood, Hollywood is a is a billion dollar industry, um, you know, multi billion dollar industry, and they sell individual stories one at Absolutely. a time, you know. And so that's exactly it. And we all just so many people love to just sit down and to just to just to let the story unfold, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, and even some of the top best movies ever produced, it's not even the graphics, right? It's not the fancy graphics. It's nothing like that. Sure, it helps, but so there's still top you know top grossing movies and best favorites from forever that are black and white you know like Casablanca and just classics that'll never die and it's because they were just really 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 good stories so that's that's excellent it's very compelling and it's a great i think it's a great introduction and for anyone that's you know still not sure what like trying to figure this out i mean every business needs a creation myth and you need to share with people why you do what you're doing and in all your communication all the email that you're sending to people all the touches that that you have with them, you know, you, you can design the story that they're playing a part of. And I think that that's really important. I yeah. Think it's kind oh, of, you, you actually, you actually said something that makes me want to point people just, just in, or, or give people one more tool to use. Sure. Um, one of the guys that really was the founder of, of direct response advertising was John E. Kennedy. And a lot of folks know of Claude Hopkins for his scientific mm-hmm. advertising book. But Claude Hopkins learned copywriting from this guy who had his own story of being a Canadian Mountie, although that's in question, um, who showed up at the at the Lord and Thomas Advertising Agency one day and said, I know what advertising is. You don't know what it is. And, 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 um, I, I don't want to get lost in that story too much. Um, but, but he really, like put Warden Thomas on the map, helped create scientific advertising, helped did helped do like some of the best early 20th century uh, direct response advertising campaigns. And his name was Johnny e. Kennedy. And uh, he ended up writing a book called Reason Why Advertising. And it's very short. If, if you can find it, it's great. You can probably find a PDF of it online. But, um, but the, the, the thing about Reason Why Advertising is, is almost all encapsulated in the title. So if you have a reason why you're writing someone, if you have a reason why you're doing a sale, if you have a reason why you're making the offer that you're making today, if you have a reason why uh, you think that they should pay attention to your sales message, if you have a reason why for everything like that, that alone, and often the reason, I mean, that really leads into a story, but, but that alone, having a reason why is really like the secret to capturing people's attention. The reason why I'm writing to you today is this. The reason why you should care is this. And eventually, maybe you edit some of those reason whys out, but <laughs> that's a great way to start, start copy is, mm-hmm. it's, you know, here's my reason why. Right. Um, and, and all of the greatest copywriters alive today study Johnny e. Kennedy and understand reason why advertising. And if you want to be good at, at writing copy, you'd be as, as, as well served to just focus on getting good reasons why as to read any classic book on advertising or any modern book on advertising or anything. Just having a compelling reason why you want to talk to somebody and make an offer to them is, is what it takes. So. That is such a great tip. So John E. Kennedy, Reason Why Advertising. I actually already just found the PDF in two seconds. So I just did Reason Why Advertising in quotations and then John Kennedy and did a search and the very first result was the PDF. So <laughs> it's 28 pages. This is going to go down like nothing. I'm going to finish this probably before um, this audio clip is edited. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I think that, I think that, um, that actually, along with scientific advertising and some other things that Lord and Thomas put out, those were their free book offers to show that there's really nothing new under the sun. Yep. They, they sent these things out to potential clients or, or advertise them to potential clients and they say respond. And obviously the people who are interested in this are going to have some level of interest in advertising and their style of advertising. And it made, it made their credibility point and all of that. So, um, 
it's worth studying on, on multiple levels. Yeah, hands down. That's so great. Roy, thank you so much. You've given so much value. Um, how do people get in touch with you if they're interested, if they're like, wow, this guy knows his stuff. I want to see what he can do in my business in 10 minutes, or they just want to ask you some questions about copywriting. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? Yeah, well, um, really the best thing, and, and there's a rule when you buy domain names that you shouldn't buy one that's more than like two words long and it shouldn't be more than 10 characters long or something like that. But um, I, I have a long domain name. It's BreakthroughMarketingSecrets.com, all smashed together into one word, BreakthroughMarketingSecrets.com. And um, on there, you can sign up for my, my free daily essays, which, uh, as you said at the beginning of the interview, one, one customer said that it was more valuable than all the paid newsletters he'd subscribed to over 15-plus years. And that's somebody who has a $44 million postcard, a, a postcard that's generated $44 million in business. And he said that um, about these, these daily emails that I write. Um, so, so follow me there. When you sign up a couple days into your subscription, you're going to get an email from me that says, do you have any questions that you'd like me to answer? Every Monday, I answer questions that have come in from my readers. Uh, often those end up being the longest and most helpful emails of the week. Uh, I really like to d- dive deep on topics and provide a ton of value. And also, almost anything that you would want from me, um, you can get through that uh, through that site. Uh, I, I'm not taking on a lot of new clients now. Uh, I, I, I find myself wanting to build my own businesses as much as I want to build other people's businesses, um, as has happened with a lot of great copywriters and marketers. Um, but you know, if, if you want to reach out to me and, um, even if you wanted to throw an opportunity in front of me, uh, I, I would certainly entertain it. But, um, but I would I would much rather have you reading and getting value out of that free daily email, and um, there may be other opportunities that come up through there to get more from me as well. Got it, got it, got it. So the web domain again, one more time. Yes, www.breakthroughmarketingsecrets.com. No spaces, no dashes, no nothing like that. Just breakthroughmarketingsecrets.com. That's excellent. Well, Roy, thank you so much. You've given so much value to everyone today. Again, if you didn't have a pen handy, you may want to listen to this again and take down those notes. Um, It's so important. There's no secrets. There's no magic room. Roy has written enough letters to generate multiple seven figures, um, and he he definitely knows what he's talking about. So please, if you're interested at all, get on his list. Um, Get this knowledge, this education. It will serve you for the rest of your business career for sure. And just, Roy, thank you so much for joining us and for just sharing everything that you have to give. I deeply, sincerely appreciate it, and I appreciate your time today, my friend. Hey, you're welcome. Glad we could work this out. Thank you. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast, and if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself, and remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.